Welcome to the Arena Church podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Now, I want to encourage you to get grab your notepads and, and pens, please, if you would, and your electronic devices, because I want to launch straight into the, the Word this morning. And what we try and do is gather all the locations and um, on, on you know three or four times throughout the year, and it gives me the opportunity or whoever the opportunity to just bring some sense of togetherness, a word of togetherness that everybody's hearing. And of course, we launched off our word for the year, which is growth. Helen's already alluded to it, shared it. Get ready. Opportunity waits. Take hold. If you're here for the first time, this is your first time that you're hearing it. But we believe this is a year of growth where God wants for us to grow. He wants for, 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 for every single one of us, as I've said, in our families to grow in our personal lives, and also in the life of the church. Now, the whole thought was, we broke it down into G-R-O-W-T-H. Get ready, opportunity waits, take hold. And I certainly, over the last couple of months, we've been trying to take the church on a journey in the ministry, even to the thought of getting ready in relationships, I recognize there are some people who are not married. I recognize there are some people who are at a different stage of life, but we're trying to equip the whole church to get ready. It was wonderful to see so many people come to our date night on Friday night. If you missed it, you missed a treat. Honestly, it was absolutely fantastic. And the whole thought was we were equipping relationships, helping people in their married life. We've also taken people on a journey in January. We're equipping people in prayer, equipping people in the Word, equipping people in fasting, helping you to get yourself ready. And of course, we're going to continue with that thought throughout the year. But we don't just want to stop and stay with just get ready. Because there's a second part to it. Opportunity waits. And this morning, what I want to do, I want to take the opportunity to speak into that particular thought. Now, I believe that this is a significant message for every one of us. And this is a message for all of us without question. There will certainly, with a few hundred people across the life of the church, there will be those who are here today and you feel stuck. You feel stuck. You feel stuck in your life. You may feel stuck personally. You may feel stuck spiritually. You feel stuck. There's also those who will be feeling like they're paralyzed with fear. You feel like you can't move forward because of the fear and the anxiety and the stress that that creates. There will also be inevitably be a group of procrastinators. That's a big word. It just means those who just stay where they are. They think about it, but they never do anything. You don't have to own up to it. And la- ladies, don't tap your husbands, okay? That, just give them a break, will you, for a moment? He knows he's got to do the decorating at house. He knows he's got to fix that, fix that leaking tap. He knows it. But there will be a group of procrastinators across the life of the church. And there will also be a group of people who are wanting change. One change. I want to share a key verse from the thought of the word for the year. It's found in Isaiah 54, verse 1 to 4. I'm going to reference it. I'm not going to necessarily preach into it this morning because I want to take us somewhere. But this is what it says. The prophetic word 
came to the prophet, to the people, and he says this, Sing, O childless woman, you who never have given birth, break into loud and joyful song. O Jerusalem, you who have never been in labor, for the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband, says the Lord. So, enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense for use will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and will settle the ruined cities. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Some people who are living in shame still. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Could it be today? The shame is going to be removed from your life. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. This thought, this prophetic word that comes through the prophet to the people still lives and still shouts loud today. Basically, God is saying, listen, in the place of barrenness, in the place of disappointment, in the place of loss and despair, God is wanting to break out. Have you got that? Some of you are here today and you feel like you're barren. You feel like there's, 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 an, there's no productivity, there's no fruitfulness from your life. Some of you are here and you're despairing and some of you here are disappointed and maybe even despairing. But in that place, God promises to break out. I'll say it again because I think I'm more excited than you are at the moment looking at you. God wants to break out in that place. You may say, well, Christian, how is he going to break out? Well, listen to the language. He says that he wants to enlarge us. He says he wants to expand us. He says there that he wants to build, build something into our lives. He wants to spread out, Josh. He wants to spread out. And he says in here, spare no expense. One version says, Bible version of this, it says, in the context of a tent, it says, lengthen your cord and strengthen your stake. Have you got it? There's a lengthening and there's a strengthening. What God is basically wanting to say to us today is, listen, I am wanting to do something amongst you. Even in your despair, even in your disappointment, even in your barrenness, I'm wanting to break out. You need to understand something. This message was difficult to put together because I had about 12 different thoughts. And I had to discern... What did the Lord want to share? What was for you and what was for me? And I went somewhere many, many years ago where I encouraged people and I'd shared it, I think recently in Mansfield, in the location in Mansfield. I think it was a one-off. Where I was trying to encourage people and help people to understand that God's goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Now, I'm not about to do what I did before, I used the example of we are just walking through life and I had two angels, two agent, uh, agents 
who would follow me, one called goodness and one called mercy. And that's the Bible from Psalm 23. And it says that the goodness and mercy follow us, pursue us all the days of our lives. I just get a sense, even as I'm sharing it, that some of you still do not believe it. You've got to get this prophetic picture that it might have been despairing, but in this moment, God wants to break out. There is an opportunity that is awaiting you and awaiting us as a church, and God wants us to step into it, and he needs you to know that his goodness and his mercy is following you all the days of your life. Even if you don't feel it, even if you don't sense it, you need to know that he wants, he wants you to sense it. He wants you to know it, that this goodness and mercy is pursuing you, and this goodness and mercy will lead you into God-given opportunities. God-given opportunities. Listen carefully. We can miss opportunities. We can miss opportunities because we don't anticipate them. We don't see them. And we don't embrace them. I'll say that again. We can miss opportunities that God has presented to us because we don't anticipate them and then we don't see them and then we don't embrace them. There are numbers of verses of scripture that mean a lot to me. I love the whole counsel of the Bible, you'll be pleased to know. There are some bits that are more difficult than others, but I love the word of God. I cherish the word of God. There are also some thoughts from others that I really cherish. Quotes, we could say. Things that have helped me in my life. There was a man by the name of Leonard Ravenhill, a prophet from another decade and generation. And this really struck a chord in me probably 15, 18 years ago when I heard this. And he said this, opportunities of a lifetime need to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. I'll say that again because some of you hadn't got it. Opportunities of a lifetime need to be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. In other words, there is a moment that God will create opportunities and if we do not take it in that moment, we will miss it. We will miss it. You may say, is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying, Christian. I really am with all my heart. And I honestly believe that we're in a position, we've, we've pivoted. I honestly believe last year there was, it was a pivot year. I believe we've pivoted. I believe we've done that both naturally, purposely, and spiritually. God has pivoted us. Where has he pivoted us for? He's pivoted us for growth. He's wanted us to walk into growth. You may, anybody last year has been bold enough to say last year was a big year. I don't need to know what it was in my family, in my personal life. Just give me a wave. If things happened, you thought, I didn't expect that. Just give me a wave. I want to just see. There were, I honestly don't, don't, I don't believe with all my heart that was just a natural. I believe that God was at work. There was a pivoting that took place. And he's pivoted us, us to this point because there are opportunities that are coming to us. Now, let me be clear. This is just all as a way of an introduction. Opportunities are not given to us so we can ease, live an easier life. So I'm not doing a motivational speech here today. I just need you to know that. I'm not doing, come on, we're going to take this land for Jesus, arara, hype you up and send you out. I'm not doing that at all. I'm not trying to motivate you. I'm trying to, well, I am. I am preaching from God's word. Okay? 
And oftentimes when we hear messages like this, it's opportunities because we're going to get a better life, an easier life. We're going to enjoy luxuries. Trouble's going to be kept away from us. I want to tell you that these opportunities that God is bringing to us Maybe that there's an ease to your life. It may be that you enjoy some of the prosperity and blessings of God. And it may be that trouble is kept away for a little part of life. But I want to tell you why God has given us these opportunities. It is to bring change, first of all, to you. Secondly, to your family. Thirdly, to your community. And fourthly, to our world. God is bringing opportunities to us as a church because he doesn't want us to just live off, oh, isn't Arena wonderful? Oh, we're great. We're brilliant. Oh, we're fantastic. Aren't these guys great? Yeah, yeah, we're fantastic. We're brilliant. No, no, no. He, he wants to do, give us opportunities so we can bring change to our world. I'm glad there's three of you who believe that. And God is supplying us the opportunities, but it's up it's, up to us to do something about it. So opportunity is very much there. There are many, many people in the Bible who had opportunities. That's where I could have taken you, took you, but I didn't. I didn't want to. But what I wanted to try and do was help every single one of us to understand what opportunity looks like. Before I go there, is everybody understanding what I'm saying? Just give me a wave if you understand. Okay. Because often people would say, well, that's great, but you, you, you're good. You get lots of opportunities, and opportunities come to you, and you're that kind of personality, and da 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 It's got nothing to do with that. Oftentimes, we don't see it because we don't know what it's dressed like. So let me tell you what opportunity looks like. Just three simple things. First of all, opportunity is, is, is dressed up as chance. You may say, wow, that's a bit strange. Let me help you to understand. Ecclesiastes says this, time and chance happen to us all. Time and chance happen to us all. What does that mean, that phrase? Well, let me take it from the passage in Ecclesiastes 9. I think it's from verses about 9 to 11, but it'll be on the screen. Solomon observed this. He says, I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner, listen carefully, the fastest runner doesn't always win the race. That's pleasing for some of you slow coaches. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. That's for some people who feel a little weak. This, is a, this should encourage you. The wise, if you think you're too clever, you still could go hungry. And the skillful are not always wealthy, necessarily wealthy. And those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. This is brilliant. This is utterly brilliant. Well, it is to me. I can see again, there's none of you again there. I'm, I'm enjoying this. Because I don't feel any of these. I'm not the fastest runner. I'm not the strongest warrior. I'm not the wisest. I'm not the skillful. I'm not the most educated. So what is it? Well, listen carefully then, Neil. It says it is all decided by chance. By being in the right place at the right time. You know, I can set my course. I'm going to go here. So we're going to go here. 
This has happened to me so many times. I've determined I'm going to go somewhere, and then somehow, some way, God breaks in. Anybody ever experienced that? And where you're going, you don't end up. The Bible says, in his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. I honestly believe as Christ followers, and if you're not a Christ follower, I'm really going to help you at the end. (laughs) And I really want you to step into the opportunity that's before you. But listen to me carefully, that with regards to chance, we can often think we're going. And we end up going in a different direction. We end up being, David, in the right place at the right time. Anybody have been in the wrong place at the wrong time? I don't answer that, okay. In the right place at the right time. Opportunity comes to us dressed in chance. And shake it. Chance. It looks like, well, really? God, what? So many times this has happened to me. And you know why this happens? Because you have to step into the unknown. It's in the unknown that God comes. It's in those places of faith when God meets you. Martin Luther King, the civil rights activist, said this, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Some of you have not stepped into faith in Jesus Christ because you're wanting the whole staircase. And God says, I'm not going to give you the whole staircase. Just step on the first step. And as you step on the first step, then God will begin to develop your faith Because it is a faith journey. You see, people miss opportunity that's dressed up as chance. I'll tell you why. Because we've got some people here. You want your whole lives mapped out. You want certainty and contracts and covenants. I know I'm speaking to some people. I know some people are mildly irritated with me now. But God doesn't work like that. Opportunities don't work like that. If you are just waiting for absolute certainty, you will never get it because that is not the life of faith. That is not the step of faith. As you step into faith, there's an uncertainty. You're stepping into the unknown. You need to know that with God on your side, it's never the unknown. With God on your side, you always have a majority. Every time I've done it, I've not thought I'm going on my own. I'm going with God. But it's still an unknown step. (laughs) <laughs> let me give you two verses some, so you, you, you just get the Bible in here I mean the Bible's quite clear yeah. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7 what do we walk by? we walk by faith and not by sight if I had waited if I had waited for all the things and thank you for those kind comments Helen I'll pay you later okay <laughs> If I had waited for all the things to line up, and I said to Julie recently, and I thank God for the provision that's coming through you guys. We're believing for a year of unprecedented provision where God is going to meet us, where we're going to have margin, because we've not had margin for many, many years. But I just cautioned her and said to her, Julie, Julie loves, because she oversees all things operational and financial, 
and, and she loves the black. She loves being in the black, as in we've got money there. Not too much, but she just, and I get that, and she needs to do that. But I said to her, let's not make sure that we just live in the black. There needs to be some red. Because it's in the red where we have to trust God. It's in the red where we have to take a step of faith. Bernie, your folded arms there, is an ex-bank manager is thinking, oh, I don't like the red. I don't like the red. There are so many times, personally, we have been in the red. There's so many times when we've taken steps of faith. There is so many, so many times when we've taken, can I be honest with you? When God spoke to us over the years, I want you to give this amount to legacy. Really? It's got that many noughts on? I'm being honest. But it's a step of faith. And every time we've sensed God leaders, his matters. Every time. And even when he felt like he hasn't, some kind of way he just brings it back to you. It's just amazing. It really is amazing. Because we walk by faith and not by sight. Let me give you another verse. Hebrews 11 verse 6. Who here would like to please God? It's quite simple. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So let me ask you a question again. Who'd like to please God? Well, we've got the answer. It's faith. Not presumption. Not presumption. Faith. Faith in God. God, what you have said, what you have said, I'm going to take a step of faith. And I know every time that I get the smile of heaven on me, even when I'm frantically, oh, have we done the right thing? Caroline, what have we done? Oh, many, many times I felt that internally. Being dead honest with you, I'd love to say I was this fierce warrior that took our family in. Yes, we're going in in faith. In the moment you have it, but then once you've done it, you think, God, what have we done? Oh, God, what have we done? But I've known the smile of heaven on my life because without faith, it's impossible to please God. It'll be my commitment to you that whilst we continue to walk through carefully and intentionally and and prayerfully work through things, we will also do with a high degree of faith. Does this make sense? Not presumption, faith. We want to walk in faith. We don't want the paralysis of analysis. We want to go in risk and courage. Can I just give you one story because I've spent too long on this first point. I love the fact that a lot of preachers have criticized Peter. Jesus was walking on the water. They were in the boat. There was a huge storm. Jesus then is walking on water. They think it's a ghost. They're getting frightened. They cry out. They realize it's Jesus because they knew his voice. And then Peter is the one who says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come out onto the water. And Jesus, what did he say to him without missing a beat? Well, come. This wasn't like calm waters. This wasn't the med in its calmness. This was in its raging storm. What does Peter do? He's thrown his legs over them. He's the only man other than Jesus to have ever walked on water. Oh, come on. He's the only man ever to have walked on water other than Jesus. And he gets a lot of slack. He was the one who stepped out into the unknown. Time and chance happens to us all. He happened to be in the right place at the right time. He heard the God that said, and he took the chance. None of the other disciples did. All I'm saying is, all I'm saying is this. 
Time and chance happen to us all. Opportunity is often dressed as chance. Have you got it? Don't disregard it. Really quickly, to give you an example of this. I was due, some of you have heard about my training course, quit my job, went on a local school training course for a year, four months in the classroom, eight months out on the mission field, into Eastern Europe, into England. We'd been out to Bosnia, we'd done that, and then we came back, and then we was due to go out again into Eastern Europe. There was about 12 in the team. I then come back, only to be announced, you can't go out on the next trip. Or, or, or why can't I? We don't know. The government won't, won't let you go out. They won't give you a visa. I hadn't done anything wrong. Trust me. That was it. We, the, I still to this day, I do not know why I was not allowed to go. So the 11 of them, they went. They cleared off. And George said, I've got a friend down in Bournemouth who's leading a church. He's pioneered a church in an old theatre. And I want you to go down and help him. Now, for some of you, I've got a scooby-doo I'm on about, but the pastor who I succeeded, his name was Pastor Eric Hobson. And Eric Hobson was the pastor of the Bournemouth church that I went to. I wasn't due to be in Bournemouth with, with Eric and his family. I was due to be in Eastern Europe. They were all giddying about in Eastern Europe. I'm in Bournemouth. By the way, the sun always shines on the righteous Roy. It was just brilliant. The sun, the, honestly, that whole period, the sun shone on me. I was like a, I was like a, a, a bronzed god. It was just like... I wasn't actually. I'm just trying to break it up a little bit, Josh. But honestly, the sun shone. It was brilliant. I was there on Boscombe Beach, meant to be on mission. Oh, I was on mission. I was, honestly. Anyway, the point I want to make is this. I wasn't meant to be there. Eric then comes back up to the area because he wants to come back to Derbyshire. We'd kept in contact. We kept in contact through telephone. And can I say, the rest is history. Time and chance, the right place at the right time. I'd planned my course to be in Eastern Europe, but the Lord determined my steps. Let me give you another one, what opportunity looks like. Are you enjoying this? And opportunity is, you may not like this for some of you. Some of you are going to really love it. So number two, opportunity is dressed up as hard work. Opportunity is dressed up as hard work. If you think that opportunity is just going to be full of gold and glitz, it's going to be easy. And, oh, I'm loving this opportunity series. Like, it's brilliant. Way! It's dressed up as hard work. Two things, hard work in the natural, and then sometimes with people. Some people are hard work. And there's your opportunity. The amount of people I've had in my life who've been hard work. I'm not looking at anybody here today, thank God. And you have too. Opportunity is dressed up as hard work. There are some, I've already said to you, I love the full counsel of the Bible, but there's some verses that mean a lot to me, and this is one of them. Proverbs 14, verse 23. All hard work brings a profit. All hard work brings a profit. And if there's ever, if there's ever a word that we need to announce... 
into this generation, it's this. Hard work brings profit. Hard work brings blessing. Hard work brings a freedom. It's good to work hard. We shouldn't overwork, but we should work hard. And then it goes on to say in Proverbs 10 verse 4, lazy hands make for profit, but diligent hands bring wealth. Now we could have said in here, lazy hands make for profit, but diligence brings contentment. Or diligence brings peace. Or diligence brings satisfaction. No, it actually says, but diligence, hands, bring, bring wealth. I think that's purposeful. He's saying, if you are going to remain lazy, you'll end up in poverty. This is in all aspects. If you're going to be lazy in your mind, if you're going to be lazy in your body, if you're going to be lazy in your work ethic, if you're going to be lazy with your kids, if you're going to be lazy in your marriage, if you're going to be lazy with relationships, do I need to go on? If you're going to be lazy in the church and then you're wanting all the blessings, it will bring, it will bring poverty. It will come to nothing. But if you will be diligent, consistent, intentional, hardworking, there will be a success and a blessing and a prosperity that will, that will be on your life and it will irritate, irritate the heck out of those who are being lazy. Yeah. The amount of people I know I irritate the heck out of. Because they think, why him? I often ask God, why me? Well, I try and work hard, Neil, thank you. I'm going to pay you later as well, okay? <laughs> Opportunity is dressed up as hard work really quickly. Much I could say about this. I'm not elite in any sense, shape or form. But what I do know is, and some of you study this, elite sportsmen, elite in business, elite in life. Let's call them champions. Champions do the things they hate so they can enjoy the things they love. Opportunity is dressed up as hard work. Isaac, who's not here today, unfortunately, is down south playing basketball. But he, 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 I once heard this from one of the coaches that he was in a session. And they called it T-I-P-I. I've said this before. Temporary inconvenience for permanent improvement. The problem is nobody wants to be in inconvenienced, so nobody improves. Does this make sense? Nobody wants to live with any sense of inconvenience, so nobody improves. We need to be people who are committed to embracing hard work. Let me go quickly, Chris. You'll have to follow me just to point three. There's more I could have said on that because I want to finish with this. Opportunity is dressed, thirdly, as impossible. So opportunity is often dressed as chance, Something comes across your path, you go, whoa. Opportunity as you're looking at it, it's flipping out. That looks hard work. And by the way, Mansfield Building has been flipping hard work, continues to be flipping hard work. But I tell you what, the blessing of God is on that campus. And as I said to somebody last week, I am so glad we bought that building. I am so glad. I don't regret it for one moment. <laughs> It's been dressed up as hard work. But the opportunity is there. Thirdly, opportunity is dressed as impossible. Let me stay stood on this place so I just stay true to my notes and help you with time. 
There's an, there's, a, there's an illustration in the Bible, Abraham and Sarah. Let me read a couple of verses to you in a moment. But just to say that God had given Abraham a promise. He said, look, God took him out and said, look at, look at the stars. Can you count them? He said, no. He said, so shall your offspring be. Then took him to the sand on the seashore. He says, can you count the grains? No. So shall your offspring be. You can have a big family. You can have a lot of kids. Well, you must understand that that was quite difficult because he hadn't got a child up to that point. And his beautiful wife, Sarah, who he loved dearly, for whatever reason, they couldn't find themselves pregnant. He was given this promise at 75. But we see 25 years later, he's still living in the promise. You see, for him, he'd been given an opportunity, but it was dressed as impossible. Let me read the passage and let me make one or two comments. It says there, Paul writing to the church at Rome, he says, even when there was no reason for hope, put you into this context here, do you feel like you're in some impossible situations? Do you feel like you're hopeless? Do you feel like things are really difficult? Well, just, just read and be encouraged by this. Even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham kept hoping, believing that he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. And Abraham's faith did not weaken, even though at about 100 years of age, he figured his body was as good as dead, and so was Sarah's womb. Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise. In fact, his faith grew stronger. And in this, he brought glory to God. He was fully convinced that God is able to do whatever he promises. Have you said to yourself, it can't be done? It just can't be done. Opportunity is often dressed as impossible. Let me just make this thought to you. In this story, they'd been given the promise, as I already said to you, and he's waiting and it's still not happening. Abraham, as every month passed over that 25 years, it naturally took him further away from the promise. Because we, do, I mean, childbearing's to do with you're virile and <laughs> you're full of energy, both man and woman. And they were both cracking on every month. I mean, the first year, you think, okay, it's fine. But then you're into the, the tenth year. Then you're into two decades. Do you get it? And you think, but Abraham believed. His faith was heated in the furnace of the testing of faith. Are some of you still waiting? Some of you still waiting? If God has spoken to you, I want to encourage you, like Abraham, to keep believing. At the right time, at the right place, God will step in. Because God can do anything with sim- people who will simply believe. I was reading this. Jonathan and Annie brought me a beautiful devotional at Christmas. It's really blessed the socks off me, and I want to reference it twice as we draw this message to a close. It's by Smith Wigglesworth, who was a man of another generation, an apostle of faith. He says this, I wonder if you really believe that God can quicken what is dead. I have seen it many times. The more there was no hope, Abraham believed in hope. 
sometimes Satan will cloud your mind and interfere with your perception so that the obscure condition is brought right in between you and God. But God is able to change the whole position if you will let him have a chance. Turn your back on every sense of unbelief and believe God. There are some who would like to feel the presence of the touch of God and God will bring it to you. I wish people could come to this place. Abraham had a good time. The more he was squeezed, the more he rejoiced. In the place of, of impossibility, we can often find opportunity. Like Abraham, I want to believe even when faced with those things that are impossible. So in conclusion, what do we need to do? Well, we said opportunity waits. Take hold. I was looking for some people to help me. I'll say it again. So opportunity waits. So opportunity has to be seized if you're taking notes. Opportunity has to be seized. Like I said, you may anticipate it now and see it, and, but you've got to get hold of it. And it's all around you. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 16 talks about, I want to get to this place. But a door of opportunity is opened up to me. Interestingly, he also said, but there is mush, mushrooming opposition. Every time you gain opposition, uh, opportunity, there will always be an opposition. Listen carefully to me. Every time you'll get an opportunity, there will always be an opposition. Let me read you this story as we finish and we'll come into the end. And then I want to pray. On a ship one day, some people said to me, this is from the same pastor, Smith Wigglesworth. He said this, we're going to have a program. So it was on like a little ship cruise liner and it wouldn't have been fancy like some of you enjoy your cruises now. But they clearly had entertainment and they asked him, would you be a participant in the entertainment? I replied, come in a quarter of an hour and I will tell you. They came around again and said, are you ready? Yes, I told them. I've got a clear witness that I have to be in the entertainment. So they said to me, this was a preacher. This was a plumber from Bradford. And they said to me, what can you do? I can sing, I offered. They said, would you like to be scheduled into the entertainment? We're going to have a dance. I said, put me down just before the dance. I went to the entertainment. And when I saw the clergyman trying to please the people, it turned me to prayer. My turn came, and I went up to the piano with my redemption hymnal. When the lady saw the music, she said, I can't play this kind of music. I said, be at peace, young lady. I have music and words inside. So I sang. If I could only tell him as I know him, my Redeemer, who has brightened all my way, if I could tell how precious is his presence, I am sure that you would make him yours today. Could I tell it? Could I tell it? 
how the sunshine of his presence lights my way. I will tell it, I will tell it, and I'm sure that you would make him yours today. I sang the song, and when I finished, the people said, you have spoiled the dance. Well, I was there for that purpose, to spoil the dance. From the least to the greatest, they were weeping. They never had a dance, but they had a prayer meeting. Six young men were saved by the power of God in my cabin. A preacher came to me afterwards and said, how dare you sing that? Why, I said, how dare I not sing it? It was my opportunity. He was going to India, and when he got there, he wrote in his periodical and mailed it to England. He said, I did not seem to have any chance to preach the gospel, but there was a plumber on board who seemed to have plenty of opportunities to preach to everybody. He said things that continue to stick with me. He told me that the book of Acts was written only because the people and the apostles acted. You see, I was in the drama of acting in the name of Jesus. And so that opened the door and provided me a place that I could speak all the time. The door was open in every way. Glory to God. I use it as a story. There are opportunities for every single one of us. I want to encourage you to seize hold of the moments that are before you. To work hard. To trust God, even in the midst of impossibilities. And just watch. Just watch what God does. As we draw this to a close, I wonder if we just bow our heads in prayer before I hand back to the guys. There's an opportunity here for some to commit their life to Jesus. Can I say it this way? I was praying for you this morning. I literally saw you in my mind's eye. And I felt the Lord say to me, you need to tell them that I, the Lord, am knocking on their hearts and I'm calling them by name. And there is an opportunity for each person who doesn't yet know Jesus for you to know Jesus, for you to know his forgiveness, for you to know his peace, for you to know his love. Every eye closed, every head bowed. If this is you and you just sense God knocking on your heart, you want to commit your life to Jesus, would you pray this prayer quietly in your heart? Would you say, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for calling my name. I'm in need of you. Please forgive me. Take away all the weight of anxiety and sin and pressure and problems. I give it all to you. Fill my life with what this preacher says. Your love your peace, 
your joy. I receive you now as my Lord and as my Savior. Every eye closed, head is bowed. If that is you and you prayed that prayer quietly in your heart, would you just raise your hand? I'm not going to call you out. I just want to see who's responded. Yeah, 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 yes. Yes, yes. Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. Please don't leave this place without talking to somebody, but without praying with somebody, without any pressure. Helen will lead you through what that looks like. But can I just pray one last prayer, just for a couple of minutes? I know the kids are down. Just I, I just sense it. Opportunity is dressed as impossibilities, and some of you are facing some impossible situations. And I want you to take a step of faith by standing to your feet. facing an impossible situation stand to your feet you think it's impossible you've said this is impossible, it's never going to change keep your eyes closed, there's many many people simply want to ask those who are standing, would you just gently raise your hands to the Lord and just receive from him I'm going to pray but it's I'm inviting God in this moment. It's not too late to stand if you need to. Lord, you see the hearts of your people. Impossible situations. Dead situations. Lifeless situations. Situations that haven't changed, moved for years some situations that feel like instead of getting better they're growing worse but Jesus in accordance with your word I pray God that you would make a way where there seems to be no way that you would break in and you would break out that you would surprise them, that change would come. They would change, and change would come to that situation. Lord, I pray for those who are sick. In the mighty name of Jesus, Jesus, Holy Spirit, heal people now. Heal people now. Remove cancer. Remove cancer now, I pray touch diabetes touch those back conditions touch those issues in the spine somebody with an issue in the spine Jesus may the fire of God come in people's bodies now those things that are impossible in Jesus name Lord, we commit all of these things to you that seem so impossible. I pray, Lord, that we would, for those who are standing and all of us, that we would live by faith and not by sight. And we would walk according to your word. I ask, Lord, for us as a church, in every location, that you would break out 
that you would break out as we spread out and that you would receive all the glory and all the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you believe it, just put the, give him just praise. Let's keep believing for growth. Please take your seats. Helen, thank you. God bless you.